Well, hallelujah, we've been in church today, haven't we? It's been a good morning already. And uh, we got more to come. Pastor had a great sermon, first service, and even if he cuts it down, it'll be good. Amen. Everything he says is always good. Hallelujah. Well, you know, sometimes we have to have a call to action as the army of God, and uh, that's what I want to give you today as something for you to do. Um, how many of you received one of these flyers? Do you have one on your seat? If not, the ushers can get you one. Raise your hand. If you need one, they'll help you out with that. If you're watching online, everything that I'm putting up today is at hankandbrenda.org. You can pull up hankandbrenda.org to find all the information that I'm giving you today. So if you can't happen to follow along with everything I say, you can certainly look at, at that website to see that. Well, you know, when Israel fought many foes, were called into battle, they would hear the prophet, they would pray, they would discern God's will, but then they also had to take action, didn't they? And that's what we need to do is take action. At times we, we do all we can in the spiritual, and then sometimes there's a time that we have to step out and let our voice be heard. And that's what I'm asking for you to do today, and I want to talk a little bit about what's happening on the upcoming January 6th event that happens when the joint session of Congress is called together. It's a joint session. All the House members and the senators will meet on January 6th for something that's very important. It is so that the electoral college votes from every state can be presented at that time and those votes will then be um, actually presided over by the Vice President Mike Pence and if there would be an objection to any of those electoral college votes we need at least one senator and one House member to present the objection for those states as they go up through alphabetically. Uh, as an example, the first state that will be in contention will be Arizona. So that will come up. And then we need someone to stand up. We need a senator and a House member to object to those based on the fraud and the irregularities of this election. And some of you say, well, Pastor Doug, what are you talking about fraud? Maybe you don't know. How many of you understand there was great fraud, there's voter irregularities that we're facing, okay? If you don't know that or you want to study that further and you doubt that, then the second slide that I've got here will give you all the evidence that you could ever consume probably in a day. You'll get tired of reading it after a while. Um, it's wwwkraken hyphenwood.com. It's a 271-page document that attorney Sidney Powell put together with all this evidence. And I'm sure that's not everything, because everything hasn't even been uncovered yet. But it's a good start. And this is an important day, what happens there. You know, normally it's a ceremonial event, and it just kind of takes place, and we don't even think about it. But there's going to be fireworks this day, folks. It's going to be a big event. I told first service, I said, get a big bag of popcorn if you're watching that because you're going to be seeing some fireworks and you're going to want to have your popcorn ready and watch that. Uh, it will be something that you don't want to miss because I believe evidence will be presented before the Congress then. And uh, the good news is, I'm going to give you the good news first, okay? The good news is, at this point, that I, what I know, based on what I heard as of yesterday, there was 12 patriotic senators that had agreed to contest these electoral votes. And my hat goes off. In fact, I called the office of Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri last week and said, congratulations, I appreciate your backbone and your spine for standing up and being the first senator to say 
that you do not agree with this electoral college vote process. And then there were, as I know, have known last night, up to 120 Republicans. Pastor Hank told me today that he heard it's almost up to 160 Republicans from the House that have agreed to stand. So we're thankful for every one of them, but we need more. And we need more senators to stand up and, and do this. But I put a list up there of the 12 that I knew of as of last night. So that's the good news. We have patriots, and I'm asking you across the nation. We're in Nebraska here, but across the nation, uh, I'm going to give you the website that you can go to and how you can find out who your representatives are if you don't know. You need to find out who they are. This is your assignment. Make sure you know who your representatives are, who your senators are, and call them and explain to them why it's very important for them to object to these electoral college votes. And I told First Service, this isn't just about President Trump. This is about our whole voting process that's going to affect our nation from here on. We can either be a banana republic like Venezuela or Argentina, or even as bad as communist China if we don't get this corrected. Our votes need to count. It's not right that our Nebraskans should have disenfranchised votes because all these other states have gone, gone corrupt. Why do we even vote then is what I told the first service because if, if, if we've got five states that are corrupt that's going to throw it out anyway, th that's not going to go forth. We can't let that happen. So this is bigger than President Trump. We have to take a stand, folks, and this is our call to action across the nation. Find out, make a call because it does make a difference. It makes a difference if you register your complaint or your agreement. If you've got a senator, if you're in Missouri, Shame on you if you don't call Josh Hawley's office and tell him what a great job he's doing. It's important to do that. We need to applaud the people that are doing right because there's not that many of them. So let's stand with the people that are doing right and make sure we show disagreement with those that are on the wrong side of the fence on this. And that's, uh, and I'm sad to say, it, I'm embarrassed that we have a senator from Nebraska. His name is Ben Sass, and he's refusing to stand on this issue. In fact, the slide that you're going to see up there next, this came out, I, it happens to be a CNN article, but I just wanted to show it to you. It says, Senator Ben Sass slams Republicans who plan to delay certification of Joe Biden's win. So he's not only saying I'm not going to stand on this case and object to these electoral college votes, he's slamming the other Republicans that are trying to do the right thing. Shame on you. And we're going to remember this when election time rolls around again. We're not going to let this stand. Next slide. Senator Ben Sass reported on KETV December 31st. He says, I quote him, absolutely not any basis for dismissing the Electoral College votes. And now let me read the quote that he put out on Facebook to his Facebook audience. He put out a, a long letter explaining why he was on the side that he's on, but here's what he said. I just pulled a little portion of it. It says, we have good reason to think that this year's election was fair, secure, and law-abiding. That's not to say it was flawless, but there's no evidentiary basis for distrusting our elections altogether or for concluding that the results do not reflect the ballots that our fellow citizens actually cast. Well, then I would say, Benedict Sass, you need to do some more homework and research. If you're believing that, you're watching too much CNN. 
That's what you're doing. You're watching the media and believing everything they tell you instead of doing your own research and your homework. It's very apparent what's happened here. In fact, my next slide, I call them patriots or traitors. That's what we're facing right now because those that refuse to take a stand on this, it's treasonous. On January 6th, any member of Congress who votes for Biden's slate of fraudulent electors becomes complicit in election fraud. And that's true. They're standing with the fraud. And that's treason. These members of Congress are allowing the voters of the states they represent to become disenfranchised voters. And so that's why I'm calling upon you, everyone, the hundreds of thousands of you that watch across this nation, do your homework, find out who your representatives are, make phone calls, and let's get this thing turned. Now, January 6th is not the ultimate outcome. Maybe it won't even go 100% our way, but here's what it does, folks. It draws a line in the sand, and we're going to know which representatives and which senators stand for truth and to keep this republic together, and we're going to know the traitors. And that will give President Donald Trump and his team a list. They know then what to do. So it's a very important step. So, next slide, Nebraska residents. You can call Senator Sass at the number that's on there. You can email his office, and I tell you exactly what to tell him if, there, if you want to put the word. I mean, you can say it however you want to say it, but there's information there for you. Remind him that Nebraskans are very disappointed and upset with his stand on this, and we want it reversed. And then, the next slide, this is for the rest of you anywhere else in the nation. Is, do we have any Iowans here? Anyone from Iowa? You need to get on the phone to your Senator Chuck Grassley. He's the same situation. Senator Grassley is in the same situation as Ben Sass. He needs, to be, he needs to be called on the carpet about this. It's shameful that that Republican from Iowa would take that stand. And if you're from South Dakota, John Thune is the same way. So we've we got three Midwestern states where we have senators that need to be apprised of what this is. They need to be recalled. That's right. Yes. Now, here's the information. Go to hankandbrenda.org. Hankandbrenda.org. It's very simple. All this information will be there. There's a link on there to the government website. You can go in there. You can put in the state you reside in, and it'll give you every representative in your state. So do that today. Uh, if there's nothing else that you get done, send an email or make a phone call. It is well worth your time. In fact, I want to share with you how many of you know who Patrick Byrne is. He's the former CEO of Overstock.com. Any of you heard of Patrick Byrne? A few of you have? Okay. I was telling First Service again, this man was not even a Donald Trump supporter. He was on record as not being a supporter, but he saw the fraud that was taking place, and he said, I'm not going to stand for it. We're going to lose our republic. We have to support this cause. So he's poured a lot of time and a lot of money into standing with President Trump on this issue to get this thing resolved, and he has many followers, and this was a Twitter post that he put out yesterday, and it says, from inside the belly of the beast, I promise you, you're all making a difference. By standing up as you are, your politicians are now understanding that you will not bend a knee to a rigged election. And yet, these politicians are starting to find their strength, too. And they will find their strength if you support them. Okay, that's why we have to do this job. Pastor Hank, come on. And uh, let's just agree. How many of you will help me out on this? Make your phone calls. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, sir. Great job. All right, give Pastor Doug a hand clap. He did a great job. Okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shorten my message, and I'm going to just get to the point on a few things that I think will be important for this year. And so that way we won't keep you late here today. And, uh, but we'll also let you know a few things that God is saying. And uh, I'm very excited about the time that we're in. And I want to just invite you, those of you that are watching, or really those of you in this room, on Wednesday night, um, we are going to be joining with uh, Eagle Mountain uh, Church, which is Brother Copeland's uh, church and ministry down there. And uh, we're going to be doing a live flashpoint here by way of online. And uh, they're going to have their congregation there. It would be great to have our congregations. We're going to link up together. And so Pastor Gene uh, will be doing the, how many of you watch Flashpoint? He'll be doing the host of the show. And uh, uh, Lance Walnow will be there from D.C. And then Mario Marillo will also be on. And then, of course, our ministry will be uh, a part of that. So we're gonna, wouldn't that be kind of cool? So you'll be sitting in here and actually watching uh, like if you're in the studio when we do it every week. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? So we invite you to come 7 o'clock Central. And also then Thursday night, uh, the four of us are going to be back on again. And uh, that, this, that won't be open to a, a studio audience. But uh, it would be great to have you here on Wednesday. And uh, wouldn't it be great to have like a live flashpoint where we fly in Lance and Pastor Gene and Mario and do a live set. So, hey, you know, this is a step towards something. But uh, my handkerchief needs some help here, and I think that'll be a great thing to, to have. I'll tell you, sometimes when you get into the presence of God, you, you feel that element of you're undone, and uh, it's just, wow, we were here with God, and um, so I'm just making sure I'm supposed to preach, but I do feel to just share a couple thoughts with you. Can we just do that? Okay, I want you to open your Bible for just a few moments, please, to Psalm 27. And maybe as you've entered into, and those of you, our precious people that are watching, that 2021 is now here. Maybe it doesn't feel different. Maybe you're not expecting a whole lot to be different. Maybe you're looking at it going, you know, 2020 was so crazy. Anybody can say 2020 was a crazy year. And I think 2020 had, you know, I, I started looking back. We took communion together as families the other day, and we just kind of asked each other an important question. You know, what was one of the highlights of 2020? It was really precious what um, each of, of them said and how we began to share because it forces you to look at things not in a negative way, but to really look for the good. And it's so important when you're facing challenges or life storms come at you. How many of you have ever been through a storm, either a literal storm or maybe you've been through some kind of challenge in your life before? Maybe it's a health challenge or financial challenge. And at the time, you couldn't see what God was doing. You couldn't see how this thing was going to work out. It looked like there was no way out. That's how it kind of looks in our nation right now. How is this thing going to turn out? Yet God always has a plan to pull us through and to bring us into victory. And at the beginning of last year, we began to prophesy as long, uh, along with other voices out there around the world. And it wasn't to be cute. You know, sometimes I think we get cute with uh, 
a particular phrase, you know, like I remember back in 2006, it's going to be a fix or something like that. And, and if you had that slogan, we're not making fun of it. Uh, 2007 was supposed to be like heaven. 2008 is going to be great. 2009, you're not to whine, I think, or something like that. I don't remember. But the key is, you know, I'm not trying to be cute, and neither I think the true prophetic voices. when God gave us that 2020 was going to be about perfect vision, double vision. You know, there's a reason that it was 2020, and it had to do with vision. Because as we're going through the storms, I mean, one challenge after another, it just seemed like, God, when is this year going to end, and when is this challenge going to end as well? But yet God is wanting us to see that 2021 is not just about a number, but it's about a prophetic promise and principle of what is on his heart. 2021 is not just a number, it's W-O-N. It's victory. And so notice how it's 2021, W-O-N. In other words, whatever we faced in 2020, the year, the beginning of the decade that we did not understand we couldn't see. Maybe it was just we wanted to forget about 2020. We're going to see in 2021 that we won. How many understand that? In other words, you're going to see clearly what God was doing. 2020 is, is uh, hindsight is 2020. You're going to look back as this year progresses, and you're going to go, you know what, God, now I know why. Certain things took place, but, man, this is a great year. Things are turning out. And I'm telling you it's even going to happen regarding uh, the events that we're going to see this week and as it begins to unfold. But David was in a place in Psalm 27, I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard, that I think sometimes we can, can feel the same kind of maybe heart pain that David, when he expressed here, he said, I would have despaired. In other words, he was thinking about it. How many ever thought about quitting, giving up, despair? You know, throwing in the towel, giving up hope. And so David said, you know, I would have done that. But notice the word that comes next. Unless, in other words, he had to make a conscious decision. And I'm here to talk to some of you that you have to make a conscious decision. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you went through, God is wanting us not to throw in the towel. I would have given up, David says. I would have thrown in the towel. I would have lost hope. Unless, watch this, unless I had believed that, now watch, three words, that I would see. God is specifically saying to us this year that this is going to be a year that we will see what God has been doing, what he is doing, and what he will do. We will see the manifestation of it. But what did David see that pulled him out of a place of despair? Come on, let's read. He said, I would have despaired. I would have quit. I would have thrown in the towel. Unless I had believed that I, three words, would see what? The goodness of the Lord. And I was sharing this in the first service. It's such one of the most incredible stories. I think Moses is probably the one guy that when I get to heaven, after I run in and I hug Jesus and and I just love on him, and then I'm going to uh, have Jesus take me to see his father, and I'm going to kick everybody out of the throne room and say, this is about God and I. Get out of here. I don't know how long the Lord will let me do that for, but I'm going to try. And it's just going to be the father and I. We're going to hang out together. That's my plan. I don't know if it's ever been done, Father, but I'm going to try. And it's not a coup d'etat. It's an intimate moment where I want God myself. So, y'all here? 
So Moses was in a place where he said, God, I beseech you, man, I beg you, I want to see your glory. And that's been my prayer over this nation with all the crazy stuff going. God, I don't care how crazy it looks. I want to see your glory. I want to see people healed, delivered. I want to see a nation turn back to God. You know, somebody said, well, Pastor Hank, what have you and all the prophets? I said, don't even go there. I don't even think that way. I've been with God too long, and I've carried this word for 20 years. And so I don't think that way. And, and what, I, what I think about is I've got to stand with God. I've got to stand with this heart, and I've got to stand with this nation and to the great patriots and soldiers and warriors that have fought for our freedoms. We can't be so quick to give it up so easily. But Moses was crying out, I've got to see your glory. And you know the first thing God said? The first thing God said. And when I met Brenda back in 1988, I put my best foot forward, and I'm still trying to put my best foot forward. I think I'm doing a good job. We've been hanging together for 32 years. And she's madly in love with me, right? <laughs> no, she is. And I'm madly in love with her. But here's the key. The key is I put my best foot forward, and I still try to put my best foot forward because I love her, and I want to always, every day I look for ways to please her. And she does the same, back rubs, feet rubs, chocolates, fanning, you know, right, Brenda? Because I'm like God, I call those things that are not as though they are so that they'll come to pass. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you put your best foot forward, and that's what Moses, man, he was crying out to God. And you know the first thing that God said to him, so think about it, of all the things that God could say about himself in the introduction of a man that was pleading with, with something deeper in his relationship, first thing God said is, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. And I have to tell you this, and you listen carefully, those of you that are watching, I want you to be encouraged. That is exactly where we are at in this nation. God has identified the fact that it was a harsh year. You say, well, how do you know? Well, how many of you were here, and, and those of you that, that follow our ministry, in August of 2019, God began to prophesy and say that this would be the decade called the decade of difference. It would start off, you know, remember he said in September it would start off harsh. He talked about plagues, and he said, I'm going to give you a prophetic narrative. It's going to be like in the days of Israel and Egypt, and he said, but that's not how this decade will wind up. Well, we saw that prophecy come to pass. It was harsh, wasn't it? But the promise of God about the decade is that we're going to see his goodness. And God asked me a question in 2016. I'm sure you've probably heard me share this many times. But I was walking my two German shepherds at the time. Now we've got three. And uh, by the way, my seven-month-old third German shepherd, third, she's now 65 pounds. It's going to be a big dog. But I was walking my two German shepherds uh, at the time. Um, and... Uh, in 2016 and it was in a park and it was very sunny and there wasn't a cloud in the sky and I was just walking and I didn't really see anybody in the park and there was a, a swirling of like a cloud over three trees and I, I showed you the three trees you all remember that and uh, as a as the swirling I was thinking something was on fire you know maybe somebody was you know, not camping but maybe they were you know burning something or grilling or whatever but as I started walking closer to the three trees, the cloud began to follow and come towards me. My dogs, the two German shepherds at the time, they immediately sat down into attention and they looked straight up and their eyes were magnificently just, I mean, as bright, like they were seeing something. I immediately looked at them, but then I saw this cloud coming towards me and that's when I felt the presence. I immediately, I didn't care where I was at, I didn't 
care if, that I was in a park. I just began to kneel down before the Lord. I put my face to the ground, and I said, Speak to me, Lord. Your servant will listen. And he spoke to me, really, I say four things, but really it was five things that was on his heart that day, and many of you have heard me say it, but here's what I want you to hear. One of the greatest things that he, he said to me, he asked me a question. He said, Hank, what does a nation look like filled with glory? And at the time, I said, Lord, I cannot answer that because I don't think we've ever seen. I don't think there's anybody alive that can truly say that they've, you know, seen a nation filled with glory. And I said, Lord, that's a hard question for me. And he said, well, I want you to, over the next uh, journey with me, I want you to let me teach you and show you what a nation looks like filled with glory. And so I began to discover that part of God filling a nation with glory, there's always indicators prophetically that you have to look at so that you can identify the hand of God. It's kind of like with what's happening in our nation right now. It's too many of us are looking at all the, the, the news channels and right. Facebook pages and trying to calculate, and unfortunately we're seeing the hand of the enemy, that we don't often recognize or look for the hand of God, the supernatural intervention of God. And God's been trying to show us all along that glory has been coming to the nation. What do you think riots and chaos has, has been about? You know, whenever Jesus, who had the spirit without measure, would go into a town or he would go into a place uh, or the apostles in the book of Acts, they would turn the whole city in an uproar. I mean, there was riots, there was chaos, uh, demons would throw themselves uh, on the ground and they would become violent. But one of the greatest things that we saw when the glory of God comes, and, and some people don't like to say this because they think it's a political statement, is when, when God's glory begins to touch something, there is what is called the spirit of preservation where God protects or he keeps. And there was one of the slogans about keeping America great. And when I heard that, I knew that that was a prophetic indicator of how the glory preserves a nation. You say, well, where is that written? Exodus 14, the pillar of cloud by day and the, glory, and the fire by night was the glory of God. And the Bible says that it's what preserved, Exodus 14, or saved the nation that day. It was God's glory. Another thing that happens, you know, you're hearing a lot about corruption. You're hearing a lot, you know, where people talk about corruption and, and uh, things being exposed, people being exposed. Imagine this now in Exodus 32 that, you know, Moses and, and God are spending 40 days in a glory meeting together in a private meeting. God is, you know, writing the Ten Commandments and, of course, um, God's writing it with his finger. And did you ever notice that after Moses broke them, uh, God made Moses write them? Did you ever notice that? <laughs> so, I'm like, you don't play with God. But so they're having a glory meeting, and then all of a sudden God ended the meeting, and he said, Moses, there's something that's, you know, I'll just put it in my own uh, paraphrase. Moses, there's something that's bothering me. It's a stench. I don't like it. And uh, he said, I want you to go down from this glory meeting because the people have corrupted themselves. Now, think about this. The glory was so strong upon Moses' face that he had to wear a veil. So the glory was obviously in manifestation. The glory is God's manifest presence. And yet the law was in his hands. How many of you heard words like law and order? Okay, well, that's another prophetic indicator. When a nation begins to demand law and order, it's, it's, it's a sign of the glory because you cannot have disorder if you're going to handle or keep the glory. 1 Kings 18, prophet Elijah puts... Uh, the stones, 12 stones in order because Israel was divided, 10 to the north and 2 to the south. And it was ruled by Jezebel and Ahab to the north and obviously the, the south kingdom. 
uh, of two. And so he said, no, God doesn't see the kingdom or the nation divided. He sees it united. And once the order was established of the 12 stones of the, of, of the 12 tribes of Israel being one, the fire fell. Fast forward in Acts chapter 1, there was 11 apostles. Judas hung himself and committed suicide. And uh, so there was 11 apostles. Well, how are we going to have Pentecost? Well, God makes them establish order. And 12 is the number of the kingdom, but it's also the number of order. And soon as the lot fell upon Matthias, we don't even hear of him that often, but probably because God just needed to establish order so that the fire could fall. Always remember, God is a God of order. So when you're hearing law and order, it coincides with glory. The people corrupted themselves, God said. Get down. Well, whenever you're seeing corruption, it's a sign of the glory of God. Here's another thing that happens. When the glory of God comes to a nation, you will see God deal harshly with an agenda that is contrary to what he has planned. That's why we're going to see something happen this week. So I say all of that to you when God said, what does a nation look like filled with glory? Because one of the other most important things, going back to what David said, I would have despaired unless I saw what? The goodness of the Lord. And one of the things that God's been saying is that he is going to cause his goodness. And I believe that that's what we were you know, prophesying with the instruments here today was God was just simply trying to say, look, um, I know it's been a long time since November 3rd. I realize that you all are in waiting. Some of you have already conceded and given up, gotten into fear. Uh, there's been a demand for the prophets to repent, so on, so forth. And God's not interested in all of that. What he's interested in is for you to understand that he is not giving up on this nation. And there are people that are speaking accurately and precisely what he wants. And they need to hold the line. Because something that's very important is getting ready to pass over our 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 nation, and it's, it's the goodness of God. And you say, well, what, what is the goodness of God? David said, I would have despaired unless I had to see the goodness of God. The goodness of God is a prophetic indicator that the glory is going to come. You say, how? I just told you, Exodus thirty three eighteen. Listen to what Moses said. God, I want to see your glory. What's the first thing God said? You'll see it. And how will you know that my glory has come, my goodness? In 2 Chronicles 5, 13, when the musicians and the singers were as one, and they began to say something out of their mouth in 2 Chronicles 5, 13, they were saying, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Then the house was filled with glory. The, the goodness of God and the glory of God go together. It's a prophetic indicator. Now, when the pillar of cloud showed up by, by day and the fire by night, that was a sign of God's goodness because what did it do? It rescued, just what we're going to see coming up, it rescued a nation, Operation Rescue. Yes, Operation Mercy, Psalm 136. How did God part the Red Sea? The Bible says through His mercy. We don't deserve it. But God's goodness when it shows up is an indicator of His glory coming and manifesting, His manifest presence. And I can give you other examples. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. This gospel, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. This gospel shall be preached as a witness or in demonstration, right? Then the end shall come. 
So notice, the, the, as a witness is also speaking, not just of witnessing, but it's as a demonstration of God's power of his presence. So when you promote the good, when you speak the good of the gospel of the kingdom, it brings his glory. It'll bring the manifestation. Then the end comes. So what God is trying to say, just like with Israel, listen, I'm passing by this nation. My glory is coming. You're going to see my goodness. Now, here's the other thing that happens. If God's glory comes on the one side, because here's the thing. You have to know which side of the cloud you're on. In Exodus 14, you could read the story between Egypt and Israel, and it was a cloud that separated them. Just, that's why some people are conceding, because what you're doing is you're, you're taking yourself out, outside of what God has been saying through his prophets, and you're believing the secular media over them. And yet they, they don't seek God. The prophets are the ones that have been seeking God. And so the prophets are seeking God, and they're listening to what God is saying and to his goodness, and they're on this side of the cloud. When you start listening to the news and all the other things that are coming, come on, you step out of this side of the cloud and you put yourself on the other side. And that's a very, very dangerous place. And it's why, listen to me, preachers, why some of you, I don't know if it's too late to repent at this point, but some of you that have had major ministries and major platforms will not hold a place going forward because you sold out. You took yourself out of the sacred place of where you're supposed to stand as God's representative and his, as his voice, no matter how tough it's been. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Sid Roth called me the other day, and we were talking about things. He said, Hank, you're out there. I said, I don't care. He said, he's out there. I said, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I can't prophesy something I haven't seen. I can't prophesy something that I don't hear. Well, what if you're wrong? What if I'm right? I have a track record of over 20-some years of God having uncanny words. This isn't about me. It's about his heart. It's about what he wants to say. And, are you, and, and, and I, would, I would rather go down in the fight believing that I'm standing on the Lord's side and for a nation that desperately needs God at this time than cower and concede and hand this nation over to the pursuing army of the left that believes in killing babies and they have no conviction or sorrow. They push God out of their convention, out of their party. They've turned the truth into a lie. They've insulted God in traditional covenant marriage between one man and one woman. They reduce the image of a man into something else when we're created in the image of God. And you want me to hand this nation over to them and conceive? What spirit are you of? You want me to go to the place of the soldiers where the white crosses bear the record of their life that they gave and lost for this country and say to every one of those white crosses that represents a human being and saying, I have just handed as a traitor this country over to the hands of fraud? Is that what you want? Are you kidding me? I will fight with everything inside of me. And I will stay on the Lord's side. So when the glory of God comes, if you are not on the side, now listen to me. This is why if, 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 if your God or your voice 
is CNN, you're in trouble. Or even Fox. That's why I don't listen to the news. Honestly, I do not. I don't have any apps on my phone with any news on it. Most of the time when I do Flashpoint, I hear the news that night and I have to respond on the fly or cuff or whatever you call it. Because I don't care. I don't listen to that stuff. I want to be with God. Now, here's the key. Can a person miss it? Absolutely, they can miss it. But here's the thing. It's pretty crazy that multitudes of prophets, pastors, intercessors, Christians, even secular people all missed it. Really? And you want to blame the prophets? Oh, I'll never follow them again. I, I just will never listen to them again. Well, I won't listen to you. Get off my page. Was it delicious? Thank you. So, you know, this, this is where I'm at. And, and so if you're on the other side of the cloud, this is what's scary. Can I tell you what's scary? If you remove yourself off of the place that God is trying to rescue this nation through his mercy, we don't deserve it. You say, well, we don't, you know, this isn't about mercy. Really? I remember when, when uh, Obama lit up the White House celebrating. He knew ahead of time the whole uh, same-sex marriage ruling of the Supreme Court, and he lit up the White House in celebration. And so I went to God for three days, fasting and praying, and I said, Lord, I need, to, I need to talk to you, and I was very mad because God's a God of covenant, and there is so much symbolism when a husband and wife come together. Even if there's a virgin woman, there's a shedding of blood. This is a holy thing when you marry somebody and you save yourself and you covenant yourself in marriage. And for them to absolutely say it's okay for man with man, woman with woman, what, you're insulting the God of absolute covenant. This is about blood. And it manifested in the giving of his son. Don't insult him. So I was fasting and praying and for two days, God was not answering, and I said, God, you've got to answer me. I mean, what, we, what did you, what, did you know they were going to do this? And there was no answer, and then I realized, well, that's a dumb question to ask the all-knowing God. <laughs> and so I said, God, let me ask you a question. What did you do? And then he answered. You know what he said to me? This was in 2000, what was it, 16, I think is when they did that, just before the election, somewhere around there, or 15. He said, Hank, I, I turned, and I looked at the mercy seat. And I looked at the blood that my son carried in. And I remembered my covenant with my son and my covenant with my people and my covenant with this nation. And I have chosen to extend mercy to this nation. We don't deserve it. But we're going to see the goodness of God. So David said, I would have despaired, watch, unless I had to see, can they come to the piano please, the goodness of the Lord in the land of what? The USA. Notice the three words that I would see. Now, I want to just show you two more, and then we're going to close. I'll make it quick. Look at John chapter 1, verses 45 through 46, because I want you to see that maybe this has been, and you that are graciously watching, you've, you've hung in there today, and maybe you're saying exactly what I'm going to read to you was the kind of the viewpoint of Nathaniel, or it was the talk of Nazareth that nothing good could come out of this place. And so Philip finds Nathanael and says to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
And Nathanael said unto him, Can anything good come out of this election? Or, I'm sorry, out of Nazareth. <laughs> and Philip said, notice three words, Come and see. Again, 2021 is not about the masking of the mouth. It's about don't let them pull the wool over your eyes. You're going to see. Come and see. Notice the three words. All right, look at Exodus chapter 14. We're going to end with these two verses. Look at verse 13. And so, obviously, in 2019, when God said that a prophetic example or narrative would be like in the days of Israel and Egypt, and, he, and this is before all this crazy year started off, I had no idea when God was prophesying about plagues and he was prophesying, you know, in 2019, you know, what this decade would be like. Who would ever thought that the narrative that God said really played out? I mean, think about it. There was plagues. Did we not go through a pandemic or a plague? How many remember the quarantine? Well, there was a quarantine with Israel. Remember, they were not allowed to go outside of their house. There was a shut-in, Exodus 14. Even Pharaoh said, man, the wilderness has shut them in. There was a standstill of a nation. The nation was on the beach, the shore of the Red Sea at a standstill. There was great fear that came upon Israel, just like great fear today. There was a leader who had been raised up as a deliverer to lead them into a better life than what they had because they were under, whether you may not know this or not, they were under slavery. And the governmental system that they were uh, under from a pursuing enemy from the left, come on, what's trying to pursue and steal our election? I'm sorry, it's the truth, the left. They were under communism. They were under a very binding governmental control and rule that brought them into slavery for over 400 years. And yet people wanted to go back to that. God didn't take us four years with this current 45 that exists and will exist again just so that we, he, could, he could throw in the towel and go, oh, well, I tried, you tried. Well, let's just all go back. Let's just hand it to a communistic, socialistic government. Are you kidding me? He's invested too much. But he raised up a Moses who was trying to do MIGA, make Israel great again. And they kept getting angry at Moses. They didn't believe his words. Listen, you know why I believe that there's election fraud? They tried to impeach the president, but he was right. He didn't commit collusion. They tried to frame him with that dossier or whatever they call that. He was right about that. He's been right about every single thing that they have falsely accused him. And they have been the ones that are guilty. And they are the ones that need to be held accountable. So where was I? Because I want to be done. Stand to your feet, please. So what was, that? What was I saying, Brennan? My what? Oh, so now God raised up a deliverer. And people don't like his personality like our, our state senator here that, unfortunately, you're not representing, Senator Ben, the state of Nebraska, and the people who love God. You say you're a Christian. Wow. Did you write in any of your investigative reporting, sir, that you went and looked at the evidence that they're presenting? Or did you write it because you have a personality conflict with the president? So rather than representing the state of Nebraska, sir, you represent the state of confusion. Because you're confused. 
and you don't represent me, and I'm sorry to say I voted for you, and you don't represent over 70 to 80 million of us in America that know the truth, but more than that, sir, God does. And in the end, you're going to see that God is going to show the truth, and you're going to see the error of what you wrote. I'm praying for you. I forgive you, but I don't stand with you. And I'm embarrassed at your decision, sir. So in Exodus 14, let's just wrap this up. Look at verse 13. Moses stills the people. He says, do not be afraid. That's the key word now as we've entered into 2020, even this week. Don't be afraid. Keep standing. Notice, stand firm. Okay, be concrete about your decision. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be wavering. Notice three words appear again. Remember, David? I would have given up unless I would see. I will see. Remember, Nathaniel? Oh, can anything good come out of all this? Philip, come and see three words. Look at Moses. You will see. The deliverance of the Lord, and here's the best part, that pursuing army of the left, you'll see no more. Now, look at, excuse me, look at verse 31, the last verse, please, respectfully. I want to respect your time. How does it end up, if this is the prophetic narrative, you've got to read all of Exodus 14 and then go to the last verse. Notice the first three words of verse 31, if they would be so kind to put it up on the side screens and I think, however they do that. Thank you, guys. You do a great job. Let's give them a hand clap. They're precious people. Thank you. Um, look at verse 31. Notice... Notice the first, first three words. And Israel saw. You're going to see. Well, what did they see? That great work. You know what that great work speaks of rather than the great work? That there's a specific moment that the natural is about to be hit with the supernatural. And God's going to do something that's going to be shocking all. That's really what that means, yeah. And then the last part, 2 Chronicles 20, 20, was the scripture that God gave us for the year. Come on. Help me out so I can be done. Believe the Lord and you'll what? You'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. And what was the very thing that the media did, Christians did, people on Facebook did? They attacked that verse. They attacked the Lord. Oh, God's not saying that. God's not for this president. God's not this. And they started attacking the voices wasn't just the prophets, but people that were speaking prophetically. Okay, isn't it interesting? The very thing that God was saying was the thing that was attacked. But look at how the prophetic narrative ends. And the people saw, three words, come and see, come on, you will see. They saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord. And what? Here's 2 Chronicles, come on, in another verse here, they believed the Lord. And his servant Moses, that's the prophets. In the end, I, I really believe we're going to see that God was right. And also those that were, were working very hard to, to stand with him were also right. And for me, just, I just want to go on record on something. This isn't about, you know, my ego. This isn't about Hank being right. I realize the risk of when I stand up here and I put a thus saith behind me. I don't stand up here to try to impress you. I stand up here because I fear God. 
I stand up here because before every service, I pray, put a watch over my mouth, a guard at the door of my lips, and, and I pray, God, let me never bring a reproach to you. That would hurt my heart. It would hurt God's. But I fear him. And in every crisis, God always has to have a prophetic voice, or Amos 3.7 is a lie. God does nothing in the earth unless he reveals it through his servants, the prophets. Ezekiel 7, in times of disasters and rumors, then the people will listen for a vision from the prophet. In other words, God, are you speaking to us? And so it's not about being right. It's about who's going to stand with God? I would rather be deceived in thinking that I stood with God and what he said to try to save a nation than to give up so easily. When there's so much at stake. So, okay. All right, well, I don't have anything else. Um, I bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine down upon thee and give you such peace and such rest and reveal his goodness to you. And God, this week, show off your goodness. And everybody said, and the last thing, hold, hold on just a minute. The Lord wants me to make one last point. If you're on the other side of the cloud that's not part of his goodness, you align yourself then for what's the opposite of goodness? Judgment. And that's what, unfortunately, we're going to see twofold thing play out this year. You're going to see the goodness of God. You're going to see God's judgment. All right, love you. Give somebody a high 2021. You're dismissed. See you on Wednesday.